might as well leave that up. I've been enjoying working through John chapter 1 with you guys. I don't know how you have felt as you've uh, journeyed along with us the past two weeks, but it's one of those chapters to me that that feels like you're un- unwrapping that favorite gift again and again. You know, can you just picture for yourself that feeling of, of man, you're unwrapping this gift, you don't know what it is, you're learning about it, and it's there, and you love it. We all know what it's like sometimes to open up a gift we, we don't like, but this is a good gift that we are given in John chapter 1. And uh, the good news just keeps getting better and better as we continue learning about the word. As we continue who asking the question and answering who is Jesus Christ. So I'm excited for this morning. John began with the eternal word. He tells us that the word was with God and the word was God. And he goes on to say that the word made everything. It's our creator. And we learned last week that those that receive the word, those that receive Christ, were given the right to become God's children. John chapter 1 verse 12. That's an amazing message that we ended on last week. It's good news. But you know, John isn't finished. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, our memory verse that we just read, we read that the word became flesh and lived among us. The highest of all, the maker of all, became the least. Can you imagine that? I mean, what famous person goes to live in the slums with everybody else? What politician has a house next door to the working man who struggles to provide for his family week after week? Famous people Important people don't live with these other ordinary folks in our world. But God himself came to live with us. And he invites everyone who wants to know him to know the word, to know Jesus. This morning we're going to learn that the word reveals God to us. He reveals God the Father to us because he is God with us. What a wonderful gift to remember this Christmas time. As we learn about who he is today, my prayer is that we would gain a new appreciation that Jesus Christ, God himself, came to live among us. If you would turn with me to John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 14 through 18. 
Now, this is most of that passage up on the screen, but there is a couple of verses more. John chapter 1, verse 14 begins this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me, because he existed before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Praise the Lord for this word and all that it means for us today. The word, the eternal God, the maker of everything we're told, became flesh. It doesn't say that the word came into existence at this point. He already always was. In the beginning was the word, John 1 verse 1 tells us. But he came into this world as a man. It doesn't just say uh, Jesus, uh, the word appeared as flesh. He looked like flesh. Or it doesn't say that he, he took on flesh and, oh, just for a bit of time, like clothes, you wear it for a time and then you discard it later. It says the word became flesh. A real historical man. A man who could weep and hurt and bleed. The infinite word became finite. The invisible became visible. The creator entered creation. The eternal entered time. Charles Wesley captured some of the wonder of this verse when he said in the hymn, Hark the herald angels sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, the incarnate means in the flesh. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. The word became a man and the scripture tells us he does this while remaining fully God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, we're told in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. To the word is God with us. Really with us. He really came as a human being. What a gift. If that amazes you to think about that, you're in good company. Countless Christians have marveled at this, beginning even with Mary herself when she heard the news 
that the angel Gabriel appeared to her and told her the plan of God, she asked the first thing, how can this be? And the angel answered, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that what is impossible with man is it's possible with God. And so miracle of miracles, God became a man and dwelt among us. You know, those words dwelt or lived among us recall the fulfillment of the tent of meeting in Exodus. We just finished going through Exodus, and in Exodus chapter 33, there is this tent where God dwelled with his people. And God is reminding us here, this is the fulfillment of that promise that he had already made. That he would live among his people. And this promise runs throughout the entire scriptures until the very end. When we're told that God will dwell the same word with his people. He will make a new heavens and a new earth. There will be no sorrow or pain nor sin in his presence. This is the hope of the scriptures that we might live with God and fellowship with him as adopted children. Through the grace of Jesus Christ, because he came and lived among us. He really lived on this earth where the people lived. The disciples saw him walking and talking and living and dying. And what they said, and what John tells us, is that we have seen his glory. God's glory is the visible expression of who he is so that all can see his true identity, so that all can see how wonderful, how glorious, how valuable, how awesome he is. In Exodus, when Jesus, or when <laughs> Jesus, when Moses asks, Please let me see your, your glory. God says, I will make my goodness pass before you. We in Jesus see all the goodness of God. Text tells us here that he is full of grace and truth. And this is the very same thing that we find when we go back to Exodus and we read, Moses, please show me your glory, he asked, and God said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will be mercy, merciful to whom I will show mercy. But he told Moses there, he said, you shall not see my face. 
for man shall not see me and live. Yet here in Jesus Christ, we see the grace and truth of God. This God who Exodus 34 verse 6 proclaims as merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This God came to live among us. And so we are meant to realize as we read John's gospel that these characteristics that are ascribed in the Old Testament only to God are revealed in Jesus Christ. Not partly, but fully. He is full of grace and truth. What Moses saw in part the disciples saw in full in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Colossians 1 verse 19 says, God was pleased that in him all his fullness should dwell. And we can rejoice in that. It's a really simple message here. Jesus is unveiled for us. And in Jesus, we see God with us. We're reminded that if we want to know God, we need to know Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. He is God with us. And so he alone can reveal God to us in fullness. He is the glory of God. The radiance of his glory, the author of Hebrews tells us. And so John pauses for a moment in verse 15. And he gives us the testimony of another John, John the Baptist. And this is what John said in verse 15. He bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is greater than me, because he existed before me. Testimony of of John, both Johns, was that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than any man who ever lived because he is himself God. John here highlights that he existed long before him. Reminder that he was, he was in the beginning already. Reminder that he is the eternal God. And it is from him that we receive grace. 
John 1 verse 16 says, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. You know, this is the gospel right here. The good news that from him, this one who is God, who is perfect grace and perfect truth, we would receive and indeed we have received grace. That it is the work of God, the work of Jesus Christ to give us grace. How do we receive this grace? Well, we remember just a couple verses previous in John 1, verses 12 and 13. Who had the people, the disciples, received? They had received Jesus. To all who did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. John and the other disciples that were with Jesus, they didn't just see who he was, but they received him. And in him, they received all his fullness. They were changed by Christ. And they received, John tells us, his grace. Grace upon grace. the new life that they had from God. This eternal life, this life that is not just goes on forever, but it is life with God. Life as his children. This is a gift for those that receive Jesus. And as we trust in the God who came among us, and who loves us so much that he would do that, that he would even die for us. When we receive him, we receive grace as a gift from God. This grace this gift is better than what Moses saw. And he saw something glorious and true. It's described here as grace for grace. Or many of our translations, grace upon grace. This idea of one gift after another, abundance, overflowing. That the grace of God does not run out. Isn't that amazing to reflect on that? How many times do we think God's patience runs out? That, well, he's, his gift will only last for so long. But here we're told it's grace upon grace. 
And not only that, it's something that we've already received. If you have received Christ, it is a given gift that's yours to have life with God. The God who delights to live among his people. It's amazing to reflect on the abundance that we have when we trust in Jesus. But you know, I think there's also something more perhaps when it speaks of this grace. The very next verse, we're told that the law was given through Moses. The law itself was a gift of sorts. But here is the greater gift the greatest gift, the grace that God will dwell with us through Jesus. John 1.17 says, For as the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, he is the fulfillment of the law. He is the fulfillment of that tent, that tabernacle, where God dwelled with his people. And so he is the greatest gift of all. Remember, Moses didn't see God. John reminds us in verse 18, the last verse, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. That's an amazing thing to recognize. No one's seen God before. But Jesus makes him known. When God appears in the Old Testament and he appears, he is active, he is present on every page of the Bible. Don't get me wrong here. But it's as always carefully worded. Though so we would see, for example, in, in Ezekiel, when Ezekiel sees this great vision of wheels and cherubim and fire and a throne it says that what appeared before Moses, what, or what appeared before Ezekiel, what he saw was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. You catch the difference between the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God versus the God who lived among us and we have seen his glory. In 1 John, John says that they, they heard him. They lived with him. It's the difference between the shadow and the reality. Between a foretaste and the full meal that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus alone reveals God to us. 
In the second half of verse 18, we're told that the only begotten one has revealed the Father and is in closest fellowship with him, or in the older language, he is at the Father's side. He is right there with him. The King James language of the only begotten, that word means to be one of a kind, completely unique. One example in the scriptures is of Isaac, Abraham's son, the unique son, the chosen son. He wasn't the only son that Abraham had, but he was unique. He was the child of promise, and through him would come the truly unique one, the one-of-a-kind one, God the Son. So what's the point in all of this? It's that the Word, Jesus Christ, God the Son, has declared the Father to us. Verse 18, the very end. He has declared, or that word means to explain or to make known, to reveal in fullness. Jesus reveals God to us completely. And we saw in the very beginning that this is because he is God. This is because he is God with us. And all who receive him receive from him grace from beginning to end. Isn't that amazing? As we close this morning, I want you to think about whether you know Jesus, the one-of-a-kind God, the Son of God, who reveals the Father. And you know, it's one thing to know about a gift. It's one thing for us to say, I, yep, I received the gift, I prayed a prayer, I go to church. But it's a whole nother thing to truly appreciate the gift day in and day out and to love the one who gave himself for us. So I ask, how will we show our appreciation for Jesus? Maybe this day, think of the year ahead, the year 2022. This isn't something to play around with. If we have been given such a great gift, then why do we put it aside? Put it aside after Sunday. Put it aside after Christmas. God 
came to live among us. And he promises to live with you and I today, to go with us each and every day. Jesus said, and he, as he left the disciples, uh, lo, I am with you always. Not, oh, you're on your own now. May we think about that and appreciate that we can know God, that you really can know him and talk with him and live with him. If you want to know Jesus, God, know Jesus. He reveals God to us because he is God with us. Let's pray.